This is the Tailored Transformations Podcast, where you will hear relatable transformation stories from our personal clients that will inspire you to create change in your own life. My name is Cody McBroom, and I am the founder and CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online fitness and nutrition coaching company, and I am proud to introduce the host of our Transformation Podcast, Ariel DeAmper. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Taylor Transformations. I am so excited for today's episode. We are going to be interviewing one of our coaches, Rose, and I'm just so excited for you guys to get to know her a little bit more, hear more about her story, and just dive in. So welcome, Rose. Um, I'm so excited that you're here. Why don't we start off with you just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself. Who is Rose? You know, what, what should we know? Thank you so much, Ariel. So let's see. Oh my God, where to start? I feel like I'm so like all over the place when it comes to introducing myself. It's like, do I start at the beginning, middle and end? And I guess I'll just start with who I am and where I am now. And I guess this podcast will kind of get into how I got here. Um, so currently I am living in San Diego, California. I have been here for almost 10 years now, um, which is just insane to me. Um, I live out here with my husband. I practice uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I compete in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, so that's a big passion of mine that has kind of kept me out here. Um, really into lifting heavy stuff. You know, I think of all the coaches, I think Trevor and I are probably the two that are kind of more powerlifting focused. Um, so, um, yeah, heavy just stuff, including me, she guys she squatted <laughs> me. I thought it was a joke. We were at our retreat and I was like, you want to squat me? And she just, this girl just like picked me up and put her on her back. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> lighter than my warm up set. <laughs> but I love that about our team too. So many different, so many different perspectives on strength, on fitness. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing out here. Coaching, training Brazilian jiu-jitsu, lifting stuff. I dance for fun. Um, so yeah, just, I have a bunch of different interests and I just try to occupy, occupy myself with those things. I absolutely love that about you. So as we dive in and, you know, learn a little bit more about you, your coaching style and different things. Um, if you just want to share with the listeners, just some credentials that you have, um, certs, education, things that you've been through. Yeah. So I have been in the fitness industry for about 17 years now, um, which again, just blows my mind. So I've had various certifications, you know, from ACE, NASM, um, CSCS, uh, currently working on my CISSN, I have precision, precision nutrition. Um, and I really think the thing that has benefited me the most, aside from all of these certifications, is just the experience over the last almost 20 years, um, working with so many different types of people, working for so many different companies, being coached myself, being mentored myself, um, having different goals. Um, and it's actually funny because when I found TCM, it was a long time ago before TCM was even tailored coaching. Um, and I was actually in grad school working in a nutrition lab, um, with a dual master's in exercise physiology and nutrition. And I thought that I was going to change people's lives through doing research. And I quickly learned as I was getting coached by Cody that you did, I was not going to change people's lives or have the impact I wanted to have in a lab. And uh, I actually made the decision to leave that path to pursue coaching, um, which 
in hindsight was a no brainer. So just a little bit about my, my story, my history and how I got here. Yeah, no, I, and I completely agree. And this is something I know a lot of us talk about is it's so like the experience, like coaching real humans in 2023 and what that's like in that dynamic and the mentorship. So it's, it's just such a powerful, a powerful tool that helps mm-hmm. cultivate, you know, incredible coaches. And so with that being said, you mentioned getting coached by Cody. And so tell us a little bit, like, how did you find it before TCM, right? How did you find Cody? How did that evolve and look? Yeah, it's a kind of a crazy story. So I think I was still a white belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've been training jiu-jitsu for eight years, just to put it in perspective. This has been a long-term investment of time and learning. And, um, there was a period of time in my life where my whole life revolved around jujitsu and to the point where I was living out of my car so that I could just train as much as possible, go to school. I was working on my master's at this time. Um, and, uh, I had always had, I'd always been an athlete, but I never felt like I looked like an athlete. I grew up as a competitive dancer. I ran track. I started lifting weights when I was around 16. Um, I started personal training very young. Like I've just been in this industry my whole career. And for some reason, I just felt like I had never really looked the part. And I did, I do have hormone abnormalities. I'm, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, some other stuff going on that I'm investigating right now. So I always knew that that played a role, but I never wanted that to limit what I was capable of. Now, the thing with Brazilian jiu-jitsu is um, while it is not a body fat percentage sport, it's not like I have to be super lean and step on stage. I do have to be at a weight and body composition that is conducive to performing well. I do have to weigh in. It is a, it is a sport with weight classes. Um, and typically you have to weigh in right before you step on the mat. So that has to be a sustainable weight that I'm competing at. Right. And so I just wanted help to become the healthiest version of myself. Right. Um, so I think I found Cody on Instagram and I had been following him for a while, Um, I had never had a nutrition coach. I had never really had a life coach. I had strength coaches. I had jujitsu coaches. I had dance coaches, you know? Um, so I had been coached and I knew the value of having guidance. Um, and I just really felt like I just need someone to tell me what to do. You know, I know it's possible and I will, I will fucking do it, you know? Um, and I remember I was, uh, I was in a restaurant in downtown San Diego. I remember I had my intro call with Cody and we get on the phone and I'm broke at this time. Okay. I'm in grad school. I'm living out of my car. I'm training jujitsu full time. And I want this so bad, Ariel. And I remember getting on the phone with him and I'm talking to him and I'm explaining my goals and everything. And I'm so nervous about the price because I'm also like, no one wants to admit that like they can't afford whatever a month. Right. Um, and he tells me the price and I was immediately like, well, that's a nope. Like, can't do that. I'm pretty sure I hung up on him. Like it was just all wrong. Right. Um, and, but, but that gave me the information that I needed 
to know what I needed to do if I actually wanted this. And I spent, I think the next month um, game planning and strategizing how I was going to invest in coaching. And I reached out to him. I don't know. It was a, maybe a matter of weeks, maybe a month later, I reached back out to him and I was like, Hey, I'm ready. And he was like, prices have gone up. <laughs> And I was like, fuck, but I knew I had to do it. And so I just, I made a way and honestly, like it changed my life, but I was probably like, I would imagine Cody thought I was the most like scatterbrained, like least likely client to be a successful client at that time. Um, and when I signed up with him, I remember even saying like, I want to be a client that you're proud of. I want to be a client that you can post a transformation pick of, you know, like I want to be that client. Like I want to be the A plus student teacher's pet, you know? So, um, that was a long story, but that's how I got started with Cody. No, I love it. It's so cool hearing every like coach's unique, um, encounter with Cody TCM coaching. Um, and it's really cool to, to just hear your determination, your resiliency. One thing that we talk about a lot is like, we're just ordinary people, right? And so, so much of what you said is relatable to anyone right now. They're like, I don't really know. Like, like I know I need help, but I'm not quite sure. I'm scared to get on the phone. They said it, the price is a, a lot. I don't know if I can do that, but I really wanna, you know, make a way and I wanna make my coach proud. And so there's so many relatable aspects in that. And when you started working with him, um, what, 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 was it, what was that experience like? So man, I worked with him for a while. So I started working with him and it was so long ago now, Ariel. I'm not even sure that I remember all the details, but what I do remember is we started working together. I made a lot of progress and I tore my ACL. Mm. And um, I remember just being like, really frustrated and down on myself at that time. I actually have a picture of me with my crutches finally felt like I was like inching on the body that I had wanted, like inching on the performance goals that I had wanted. And I actually canceled. I think it was after a year that I like canceled and I wanted to just focus on recovering my ACL. And then after my ACL recovered, I remember reaching back out to him and feeling like I was starting over, right? I had put on some weight, had put on some body fat with a torn ACL. But then I also remember that I put on a lot of muscle in that time. And it kind of started to shift my perspectives on body composition and what really matters in a transformation. And, um, I know like so many people who leave coaching rarely come back. And part of me wishes I had stuck with coaching through my ACL recovery just for like sanity. But I also think it gave me just like really good perspective on like the whole process. And like, I wasn't starting over even though I had left and came back, I wasn't starting over. I had accomplished a lot in that time. The progress I had made with Cody in our first year certainly carried over to our second year. Um, and then I remember when we got started again after my ACL reconstruction, like I was, I got in the best shape of my life for sure. Like confidence through the roof. Um, it just felt like a whole new person. And I was at a whole new place in life too. Like I really learned, I, I think I've always been a pretty driven and ambitious person. Um, but like from the time I started working with Cody until the time that I really, cause I really didn't stop working with him until I started working for TCM. I went from living out of my car to like 
having my own apartment, like really just being in control of every area of my life. It felt like I just really feel like in our time together, I became a new person, like the person I had always wanted to be. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. It's so transformational and it, it's so much more than fitness, right? Or weight loss or our body. That's something that I've been talking to every single client about is the way that embarking on this journey and prioritizing their health and their mindset and the way that it's impacted relationships, their jobs, their careers, their just fulfillment in life, their confidence, their belief. It, it is so much more than a physical transformation. And it's really cool to hear how it, it, it genuinely changed your life and impacted things. Did you anticipate that when you started? Were you like, no. oh, he's going to finally help me look like the fit person that I'm like wanting to, because I like work out, right? As you were sharing your story, um, did you anticipate this much of an impact? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, and I'm someone who has like gone through therapy my whole life. I'm someone who has done a lot of self-work. My undergrad was in philosophy and creative writing. Like I am a introspective person. You know, I have done a lot of the self-work, but the way I look at it now is really that like, nutrition and fitness are tools that we use, um, to learn how to, uh, how to hold ourselves accountable, how to set long-term goals and achieve them, how to handle setbacks, like fitness and nutrition is really not the end goal. They're really just tools on how to navigate, life and hard things in a different way, you know, and jujitsu is very much the same. And I think, I mean, it can just be physical if you want it to be, but it can also be so much deeper if you let it be right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really think that that is what kind of makes the difference between doing this for a few months and doing this for the rest of your life. Um, and I, I realized that very quickly, it was not something I anticipated. I got to my goal weight. I got to my goal body. Right. Um, but it became about so much more than that. Yeah, I think those those lifelong skills, I think about it in the context, I would say like, who do I wanna be, right? Like I wanna be someone who's grateful, who's patient, who's kind, who's giving, who's all those things. And the best way to become that is to practice it. And when you pursue a health and fitness journey, it puts that in place where you are practicing those on a daily basis, right? You are setting boundaries. You are delaying gratification. You're having impulse control. You're practicing patience. You're practicing gratitude. And the more that you practice that, the more that it just gets instilled in your identity and who you are and the way that you hold yourself. And I think that's such a beautiful gift and hearing that it's more because I've actually heard before some women clients, people say like almost have a level of shame around staying with coaching for a long time. Like they're like, I don't know, I've been at this for a year, but you know, I keep, they keep realizing that there's levels, right? And so they're like, I don't, I don't want to quit and I don't want to stop because I feel like I, I, I don't know, I'm not there yet, quote unquote, there yet. And there's I think no there. that's exactly it. Like I'm not, I'm not there yet. And it's like, there are the points along your journey where you're like, wait, it's, it's not a there yet, right? It's like, I'm just continuing to get better. I'm continuing yeah. to level up and show those things. Do you think there was like a, specific point in your journey when you had that realization? I think a lot of us go into it and it's like, oh, I'm going to be happy when the scale says I'm going to be happy when X, Y, and Z. And so do you feel like there was a pivotal point when that switched or just accumulation over time? 
I think maybe a little bit of both. I think it was just like a continuing, a continual unveiling, maybe. I think that there were a few points, like maybe when I hit my first reverse diet and I was like, oh fuck, like that was scary, right? Yes. Um, and then I really think that, um, so I had a pregnancy that did not go full term and my body changed a lot in three months due to like emotions, stress eating, all of those things. And um, when my body kind of changed back to where, I don't want to say where it was before, because my body never went back to where it was before that pregnancy. And I know it's for a few reasons. I gained a lot of muscle. I took two years off of dieting, you know, um, but I realize, and I don't know that I even have the words for this yet, but I think that's what made me realize it wasn't ever about what I looked like, you know, it was about how I handled things and how I talked to myself and treated myself, um, really the relationship I had with myself, because I went through periods of time where I was not kind to myself based on such superficial things. And it really was not a reflection of even how, what my body looked like. It was more a reflection of how I felt about myself, felt about my choices, felt about my decisions. Um, so yeah, I think that that was a, a pivotal moment that I'm still not quite able to articulate yet, but um, it, I just realized that there was so much more to it than that. Um, and the goal wasn't to get back to the body I had, but the life that I had, I guess. Yeah, that's a beautiful realization. I think anytime anyone's going to do anything, buy something, pursue a goal, it's for the feeling they believe it's going to give them, right? Like I'm going to buy this sweater shirt because I think I'm going to be more confident when I wear it. Right. Like I'm, I want to pursue this goal because happiness is on the other side. We're, we're pursuing feelings mm -hmm. when you understand like, Oh, it's this feeling I'm pursuing and you acknowledge it's not in the item or the circumstance or the body, but it's rather in the behaviors that lead to it. That's mm -hmm. such an empowering pivotal moment where it's like, you know, I want to feel my best and my body's been all over the place. Right. And so it's like, because I've been too, like, I've, I mean, I was at a point where I was like 200 pounds. Right. And so I'm like, oh, I just want to feel better. Being smaller will help me feel better. Rather. It was more so about taking care of myself and that yeah. exactly what you were saying, where it's like, what I needed was different. I actually just sent out a I don't want to call it a newsletter. It's just a weekly email I do to my clients. Um, and I just sent them an email this weekend about this exactly. And, um, you know, there's the parable of the golden egg where um, there's a farmer and he realizes his hen has laid a golden egg and he gets really excited and he sells it. And then he starts demanding that his goose, I'm sorry, it wasn't a hen, it was a goose, um, starts laying these golden eggs faster and faster. And he wants them more and more to the point where he actually kills the goose to try to harvest all the eggs at once. Now he has, and there were no, there were no more golden eggs in there. Now he has no way to produce more golden eggs at a slow rate. And he has no golden eggs to show for it. So when we get so obsessed with the golden egg that we dismiss or don't take care of the way we are doing it, we run out of golden eggs, right? So I like to tell my clients, like, I can make the scale change real fast, right? But that is not going to heal 
the self-talk things. That's not going to help you navigate stresses. That's not going to help this be sustainable or conducive to the feeling that you want long-term, right? Like it's easy to make the scale say a specific thing on a specific day. I do that all the time with like weight cuts for jujitsu, right? What's a lot harder is to learn the strategy and skills that are associated with um, actual meaningful change. Yeah. A number on a scale isn't going to change the way your life looks, your body looks, or even the way you feel about yourself. Um, And then another idea that I've been thinking a lot about is um, interdependence, right? Uh, And I think because you mentioned um, people feeling shame about having coaching for a long time. And I noticed people feel shame for even wanting to change their body. And I know a lot of my followers are maybe confused a little bit because I talk a lot about being proud of your body and who you are and, you know, not worrying about cellulite and loving yourself as you are. And I also talk a lot about change and the drive to change your life, change your body, change certain things about yourself. And I think lots of people think it's one or the other. Where really, if I think about the relationship I have with my body, the relationship I have with myself and compare that to any other relationship in life, right? Let's take a romantic relationship. If two partners are completely, let's start with completely dependent on each other. If two partners are completely dependent on each other, that's maybe not the healthiest dynamic. They can't exist without the other person. What happens if someone goes out of town? Is that is partner A going to be completely hopeless? Like, right. So being completely dependent on each other probably isn't the healthiest dynamic, right? Being completely independent. A lot of people idolize that. All my value comes from me. I don't need validation from anyone else. But if we put that in the context of a partnership, that kind of starts to look a little loveless, right? Which maybe also isn't ideal, right? But if we think about this concept of interdependence, All my value comes from me and I appreciate when my partner tells me that he loves me. I appreciate when I get validation from this person I really care about. I appreciate when we can mutually support each other and uplift each other. Mm -hmm. I apply that idea to the relationship I have with myself. It is okay to want to celebrate the progress on the scale. It is okay to want to celebrate the progress and change that you have made in your body. And also you can know that your self-worth is not contingent upon it. That is a separate thing that you are also allowed to celebrate as you celebrate who you are now, because who you are now is the person who's making those changes, you know? Yeah, so. I love that. It's like, I if anyone <laughs> knows, I'm just like such an advocate of and. Right? I always say like, mm-hmm. I'm an advocate of and. And, uh, you know, what you're talking about, just like the duality that exists. There's duality in life. Very few things are going to, you're going to find this fulfillment and happiness in the black and white, but rather it's the duality of, I can love myself where I'm at and know that I haven't reached my potential, right? There's a 2.0 version of me out there. And I, I don't need to, this is the thing, whenever we're changing something, resistance is going to arise. It does not matter. It is your human design. Changing anything rises resistance. Resistance doesn't mean no. Resistance means you need a reason. And so when we encounter that and we say, okay, there's resistance, but I have a reason and your reason is rooted in a place of love and respect. And that is the lens in which you're moving forward. That is where the fulfillment and the journey is like so beautiful. So like I can care what I care what other people think of me. Right. And I acknowledge my opinion matters most. 
mm-hmm. I can appreciate like where I'm at and want to do a little better. I competed last year at what was my best and I'm so damn proud of her. And I look at that physique and I'm like, yes, amazing. And I didn't need to hate her to become what I became this year. A hundred percent. Keep going. Love it. I'm just, I'm here for it. (laughs) And so it just continues to perpetuate. And it's like, I can, and again, how we're continuing to talk, this is transcends into every area of life. I can have boundaries and like within my life and I can have boundaries around food. I can have boundaries around relationships and love and respect people and allow them in and out right? Like it's not, it's not ever like dogmatic yes or no. And so just that's, that's such a powerful, um, frame that we can move forward and apply again to all areas of life. It helps me so much, both in my personal life and in my coaching to like, there is this obsession around food and body image because it is such an emotional thing that it really helps for me to think about it in the context of just other relationships, because that's all it is. It's a different relationship. And like you said, we have, we have boundaries in other relationships. We let things in and out when it's uh, good for us, when it's helpful for us in other areas of our life, we should do the same thing with food too. Right. Um, And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, I didn't hate who I was when I competed last year that's who got me to where I am now. You said something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that that has a lot to do with what that shift was for me pre and post pregnancy was I thought I was in my best shape after my first couple years coaching with Cody. I thought that was my final form. I was like, this is it. Could not be more confident, could not be happier with myself. This is how I've always wanted to look. I, I, I thought that was there. I thought I was there, you know? And after I went through this, all these changes that I was not anticipating, I realized that there was no there. And now I am in, my, my identity was still so tightly bound to what I looked like after that first couple years coaching with Cody. And, and after that whole experience, it was really able to transform. Like I am so much stronger now, physically, emotionally, mentally, all the ways than I was back then. I have even more potential now because of everything that I went through back then. Like I have allowed myself to take two years off dieting, which I never would have done before, um, which has been so good for me on so many levels, you know? Um I'm able to start a deficit from a very new place and not be so obsessed. Like, I think something a lot of people want is this relaxation around food and this relaxation around dieting and like not to be so obsessive with it. And had I not gone through all of that, I would never have been to this place where it takes work, but it's easy. You know, Um, it's not all consuming anymore. Like it used to be. Yeah. I think there's two, two nuts nuggets I want to share. So like one is I like to say good players pivot. And players, just humans, we're going to pivot. And whenever you pivot in life, it's a beautiful gift. We always stop and there is an anxiety. People talk about like, oh, anxious, anxious are normal feelings. It's a feeling that arises. And sometimes it's when we feel that we have this contingency, but I need to lose weight. But I'm like, good players pivot. Like you're going to pivot. And when you have a strong sense of your values and know, know that it will have been changing seasons of your life. And you keep the priorities at the forefront, 
you allow yourself to adapt and pivot on whatever that is. What that looks like for me, what I value at the highest degree when I was um, 27 is different than what I value as a mom at 33. And so Gabby, my husband, my life, my clients, they will always come first, right? And as long as that is in alignment and those values are taken, then I take action from there. And it feels so, so good. And um, to be honest, go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, like, such a big part of this is understanding the lifestyle that you want to, Mm. right? And it's okay if you are not willing to make certain trade-offs. It's okay if you are, but I think that is such a huge part of it. And that's why understanding your values is so important and like what's realistic for you. Yeah, Um, yeah, no. The notion of like things being easy, right? So we want this to be easy. Duh, hello. We all want this to be easy. I love easy. I always say like, let's keep it easy, enjoyable, effective. Like what can we do in this nature? And so this is the thing, just like I said, players pivot we go through seasons and learning about nutrition and your lifestyle is a skill. And we need to take a bit of time to master a skill. And I promise every single person that is listening to us talk, it can be easy. It can be easy. You put some time in, you invest in the skill, you learn it. And this is a thing, reps, 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 patience, practice, reps, patience, practice. You do that. And what happens is anything that's easy for you, it's in your subconscious brain. The only way something gets in your subconscious brain is you program it in there. So for example, if I went to California and I went with um, Rose to uh, jujitsu, mind you guys, I have no idea. I just know she wears a, a robe thing that, <laughs> that they, they wear. That's about it. I, I don't even know anything else. So, and she looks cool when she does it. Like she looks like a badass. So if we went in there and it was like the most basic white belt I think that's the lowest one right like okay white belt move would that be easy no I would probably take every fucking brain cell that I have to figure out how to do it I'd have her do it like 87 it would be so hard but she could go in and probably do it with her eyes closed on one foot right and what's the difference she has reps and so I want I want to say this as a form of encouragement sometimes people are intimidated to start coaching to apply to pursue this goal because they're like it's gonna be so much work it's gonna be so hard and so again always going to like, give it to you straight. Like, yeah, it is going to be hard in the beginning and it's going to be a skill, but you're going to learn it. It's much harder to learn Spanish than to speak it when it's your language. Right. So I just want to use it as like an encouragement where Rose is like, Oh, it's easy. And I share that. And and Cody's talking, like he did, he went to Disney a couple months ago now and he was like, yeah, it was really easy to navigate. And, and we see the same in our clients, right? Month one, it's like, how, how, what, how do I weigh this? Or like, what, what's going on here? Well, I and then navigating think, it when you don't have those tools. So I think a big part of it too. So there's like the easy, hard, whatever continuum balance. But on the other hand, I think a lot of times people confuse new or like discomfort with hard when maybe it's actually really not that hard. It's just new. It's just uncomfortable temporarily you know what I mean or there's more focus on these new experiences and sensations if you go from not tracking your food to tracking your food you're probably going to start noticing that you're a little bit more in tune with your hunger response for example which maybe that was a sensation that you didn't pay attention to maybe it's a little uncomfortable you know what I mean so like just these novel sensations um 
and, and discomfort is so good for you though, you know, like to apply to different areas of your life, not saying that like, you're going to start this and you're going to have to like be hungry all the time or whatever, but like learning how to acknowledge and choose how you respond to discomfort could be the difference between like, uh, say an emotional reaction in an argument or like taking a breath and responding in a way that you're proud of, right? Like we come up against like uncomfortable situations a lot. And um, I, I don't know, it just really helps me to frame it instead of hard as this is creating an, an uncomfortable sensation in me. I have experienced uncomfortable things before. Let's choose how to respond, right? And I think with that being said, I know that social media is interesting and people love getting into like different camps and stuff. And I, I've had people say this where they're like, I started a diet or like a weight loss thing. And I don't know, I'm thinking about food so much. Like this is, in, this is unhealthy. How much I'm like thinking about food and just like doing all of these behaviors and like, is this disordered or whatever else comes up? And I'm like, it's, it's your brain that's functioning how it's supposed to. We have something called a reticular activating system, which means it filters out what we deem is important. So for example, when I decided, like when I was pregnant and I was having Gabby, I have never paid attention to baby stuff as much as I did when I was pregnant. This also, this I actually legit said this one time, Gabby loves Minnie Mouse. And so I'm like walking around Target and I'm like, they have a Minnie Mouse toilet? They have a Minnie Mouse couch. They have a Minnie Mouse bike. And I when literally... did they start carrying Minnie Mouse stuff? I, I, this. I, was like, I, I said this line and I can't believe this came out of my mouth. I was like, is Disney like making a comeback? Like, what the hell? Is it making a... you just never noticed it before. If someone would have been like, oh, do they have a Minnie Mouse toilet? I'm like, no, why would they? A Minnie Mouse toilet? That's weird. Like, you know, and so it doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you're buying a new house. You're going to be on Zillow a lot. You're going to be talking to a real estate investor or something of that nature. If you want to buy a new car, you may be looking, you you know, when you're driving past car dealerships and you're driving just a little bit slower because you're paying, oh my God, I'm like paying attention to every auto dealership. Yes, good, because your brain is working. It's a functioning brain that's doing what it's supposed to. So when you say, I have a goal to become healthier. It's solving, it's planning. Doing all of those things. I have a question in my um, weekly check-in. I have a couple different versions depending on the, the client. And one of the versions has a question that's like, what's your preoccupation with food, right? And why? Yeah. And I, I'm so proud of my clients because so many of them are able to say, I've been thinking about food, but this in this manner, mm-hmm. not in a wondering when I'm going to be able to eat again, but in a planning, this is a new skill for me. This is a new thing that is important to me. Mm-hmm. And so my preoccupation with food has been high, but it's been positive. It's been because I'm putting intention into it for the first time ever, right? So I uh-huh. think every time we we notice where our focus is going, it's also important to ask, but why, why is that the focus? Is it helpful or harmful? Right. Because it's not the, the focus or the thought that's necessarily bad. It's what we're doing with it, why it's there, how we're communicating. Mm -hmm. And understanding that it can operate on a continuum, right? Our focus can go anywhere from zero to a hundred. Our focus can, as long as it's an alignment, like um, there's just so many applications I can think of in my life where it's like, I have a dial of focus and 
uh, so we all have, and I was talking to a client about this, right? Like if you think about like a stereo or something like that, we can't have all the dials up and all the time because the speakers will blow. But there's times where it's like, oh, this song, I want the bass up a little bit more. I want this turned down a little bit. And as someone who is a competitor, a wife, a mom, a coach, a daughter, there are times where each dial is going to look a little bit different. And right now, my competing dial is up high. I'm, I'm literally in the middle of my season. Guess what? It goes down to zero once I'm done. Like I don't really spend time practicing posing and some of those things. Um, and there's just it's it's going to ebb and flow and that's okay. Just, I love the check-in and even in a weekly, this, oh, okay. So this is where it gets, it's, coaching is so cool. And a lot of clients can reflect on this. They're like, our lives are busy. Guys, it's 2023. I, I appreciate you listening to this podcast right now. And I know there's a lot of things going on and it's such a beautiful gift for you to give yourself, you know what? I'm gonna take 15 minutes, one day a week, however long. And I'm sure some people spend more or less time and I'm going to fill this out. And just the way that you can reflect on how, how much am I thinking about my nutrition? And you know what? Maybe, what is my preoccupation with food? You know, maybe I need to turn it up. Maybe I said this is my goal and I'm not focusing on it as much as I would like to at this time. So you know what? I'm going to do a little bit more planning. I'm going to do a little bit more thinking about my food. And that's beautiful. It's, it's nothing is ever dogmatic where it's like, oh, it's good or bad. Rather, if we can pause and stop as we were talking about, is it value driven and is it aligned? And if we can answer with conviction to those, like we get to move forward without judgment, without, I mean, guys, uh, just throwing this out there, I'm 33 and I stand on a stage in a very small bikini in clear heels that are five inches. I don't really know. We could judge that all we want, but for me, it's value and, you know, it's aligned and that's how I get to move forward with that. So thank you. I think it's also really cool how you realize too, like through doing the check-ins. Um, I have a lot of clients say this too. What used to, and this is kind of touching back on what we talked about. What used to be hard with me is automatic now. Mm -hmm. What I used to stress about doesn't even cross my mind anymore. You know, these clients who have been with me for six months, a year, two years, right? Um, and so that's another really cool shift to see. Old yeah. me would have handled this situation completely differently than new me. Um, yes. And so and I love that we're there as coaches, right? To reinforce one thing that I know that we both do that we all do is like reinforcing that you're the person who did that. You made the change. You stepped into that. It was your consistency, your effort and your reps that that made the impact, that made the difference. Um, and that's just so cool to see and allow our clients to take ownership of that. And us to remind, cause like we need that reminder. Like we all do. We need that reminder. We need the, the encouragement, the self-belief, the redirection, the prioritizing our time. Like it's just something that's forever giving. And so with that being said, I know that, you know, you shared little client nuggets and takeaways. Is there any client transformation in any capacity that really stands out to you? That's like, this one really impacted me and, or like you think that our listeners can just benefit from hearing. There you go. There are so many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know where to start with this. And I'm going to start crying probably. Um, I mean, I don't really like to reveal client names before I like ask for permission. So I'll just kind of give stories yeah. about people. Um, 
but I have one client who I'm still working with. Um, we have gone through a deficit. We're about, she's gone through a couple diet breaks and maintenance periods, and we're about to reverse and spend some time building. Uh, and when she came to me, um, she's very busy, right? And she was so worried about so many things, thinking so far ahead to the future. But what if, but what if, but what if? I don't know if I can. And um, simultaneously going through a lot of trauma therapy. So that's a very heavy emotional thing that takes a lot of energy, right? And um, her biggest fear was, what if I get there and I can't, I can't maintain it? You know, what if I am not capable? And it was all these like really deep seated beliefs about herself. And um, she is down like 15 pounds now. She has gone through diet breaks and perfectly maintained all of her progress. Um, she has prioritized and made time for things that she was completely 100% sure that she did not have time for. You know what I mean? She has prioritized more movement throughout her day. She has prioritized getting to the gym more. She has prioritized all these things that she absolutely didn't have time for. She has started dating. She is now um, in a relationship with someone that she wasn't before. And one of her concerns was, how am I going to date and do this? And she's just proving to herself how much she's capable of, no matter what her life looks like. And the thing that really um, had me step back was I, I asked her, you know, what's something you believe about yourself? now that you didn't believe about yourself before and it was all about who she is as a person and what she's capable of and things that she can forgive herself for things that she can be proud of and take ownership for and embrace and I think that she was previously scared to like embrace her success and embrace her progress and it was just that identity shift you know it had nothing to do with the scale had nothing to do with anything else, but she believed in herself now, you know, and, um, I have, I have so many stories like that. Um, that one's so powerful and like, that's so, so real, so relatable. I think a lot of people listening can he, he, like in some way, shape or form, see themselves in that. And even for myself, like, this is a conversation that, um, that holds so many people back from pursuing coaching or pursuing any goal, right? And so this is something that, like I said, even for myself, I'm in this state where I'm, I compete at a national level with the hopes of turning pro. And it's a subjective sport. Um, it's, I mean, there is a genetic component. It's who's it, like, we don't even have weight categories that we do. Like, I don't have to weigh a certain thing. It's just like, you just look a certain way and someone likes you or someone doesn't like someone could not like my suit color or whatever it is. So there's a lot of subjectivity into it. And a lot of things I cannot control, right? Like dating, like what's going to happen? Like your, your client talking, like, I don't know. And so in that situation, you really have an option where it's like, okay, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I don't know what challenges are exactly going to come up and I'm going to have self-doubt. I'm going to question myself. I'm not quite sure. And so at that point, you can say, I'm not really going to give it a lot of effort. I'm not going to apply for the coaching. I'm not going to move forward. I'm not going to do this thing because like there's, there's a really good chance that I could fail and I have that doubt, right? 
or you get to move forward, give 100% effort and show up as your best. And I, when we take this, that approach is when you're saying like, it's the identity and the life change, because it's not about the outcome anymore. It's about the effort. Mm-hmm. So we go I, from product to process. Mm-hmm. I like to look at it as an experiment. Like that was the mind shift that I took that I've pretty much done to accomplish anything that I've ever accomplished in my life. Like I open, I owned a boxing gym when I was still in my early twenties living in Florida. Like I ran a personal training company. I moved to San Diego on a dime, no plan. You know what I mean? And, and, and then even with my own fitness journey, um, and, and especially with competing, this is something that's really helped me in competing in jujitsu. Um, cause in jujitsu, there's also a lot of that's out of your control. You can know all the techniques, you can have all the strategy, whatever, but you can't control what happens in a live one-on-one match. Right. And I used to let that fear of, of not knowing and, and wondering if I was enough or good enough to compete, hold me back from trying. And when I shifted from, um, this is the this is the only outcome that's going to make this worth it to, you know what? I don't know where I'm going to end up. I have intention for where I want to end up. I have intention that is inspiring this, this effort, but ultimately I want to find out where I can end up. Cause maybe it's somewhere completely different that I don't even conceive of right now. Right. And so I started treating uh, my fitness as an experiment. What if humor, humor myself. I'm going to go in 200% and just see what happens. Because if I start feeling in the end before I've even tried, I'm limiting myself either way. I'm limiting myself. If I already know, like, I I think it's important to visualize and know the direction you want to go in and, and know what you want your life to look like. Know, you know, visualize certain things, but also leave it open to see what happens. Right. Because Sometimes the results aren't what you would expect. Sometimes they aren't even anything that you could have imagined. And it's really easy to miss the forest for the trees if you focus too much on one singular outcome, right? Um, and so I frame that with like a lot of my clients too. Like, humor me. Let's do a let's do an eight week experiment. Mm. Let's see what happens if we if if we change these variables, you know. Yeah. And I'm very like from my research background, I'm very like nerdy like that too, you know. <laughs> I love so, that. I, I treat I treat a lot of things like an experiment. Everyone stop, rewind, play that again, mark it, <laughs> screenshot it, send that part to your friend. And it's so funny that we said this because like I, this is something I've been dealing with a lot is like the self-doubt at this level. And it's the self-doubt it, like and I want to self-doubt is always going to arise. And it doesn't matter if you are pursuing, you know, like an initial diet and it's like you you know, want to lose 20 pounds or like, for me, I'm like, I want to turn pro and I want to step on a national stage. It still feels the same in our body, doubt and those thoughts and that questioning. And so I love this perspective because as I've been like navigating it and I'm like, Ariel, you know, give a hundred percent, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily control the outcome, keep showing up, keep doing the thing. And um, I told Dennis, I was, I was like, okay, you know, I have an interview. And he was like, he's like, he's like, who is it with? I was like, it's Rose. And I, I just adore you so much. He's like, oh, she's probably going to help you while you guys are talking. So like, bring it up. He's like, bring, bring, because I'm talking to him about, he's like, he's like, bring it up with her. She doesn't like help you walk through this. And I, I think, it's, yeah, no. And I was like, you're right. You're right. So true. So, and 
you just spoke to my soul. And I, again, I just want to remind you, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Oh, I, but I don't, because your brain's going to try to be, throw things out there. Like, but I don't do jujitsu, but I'm not competing, but I don't, I still have a bunch of weight to lose, but I'm still fat. I don't care. Whatever, whatever the word is that your brain's throwing out that it's like talking negatively to you. It's, it's still self-doubt. And if you can operate out of the lens that Rose said, where it's like, I'm just going to get curious and I'm going to see what's possible if I try. Cause I never yeah. know. You never yeah. know. I always say like when it is my last day, there's two things I want to be able to say that I don't regret anything. Meaning I took a chance and I bet on myself, not knowing the outcome. And I did some really cool shit. <laughs> like those are some things. And I can tell you that mindset is also something that I am going to continue to carry with me. And these words of encouragement, because like, if for those that don't know, I conceived my daughter through IVF and that was a really hard journey. And so like, how do you go through that process where it's like, I was taking shots every day and I was going to the doctor and I was, it, it was just Not a, knowing a lot been- of emotion and, and, and exactly I could I could have spent, we spent way too much money, but like we could spend all this money, all this time, doctor's appointments, 18 weeks of shots, three injections a day at points in time. And guess what? I could still not have a baby at the end of this. And so I just want to like, that's just so encouraging because this, that's a big question because maybe it's a scale fluctuation. Maybe it's, I don't know what it's going to look like. Our life happens. And like, how do you get, I guess, just reiterating this too, like, this is, this is the encompassing question. How do you get yourself to continue to give hundred percent effort without knowing the outcome, without guaranteeing that? Like how, how do you, in you have to be curious. I love that word. And I use that to approach so many different areas of my life. And I really think it's staying curious and staying open, right? Doubt is always going to be there. Doubt is always going to be there. Um, and I don't know, I had never really made this connection before, but maybe it is my research background. You know, we, we, we have a hypothesis about what we think is going to happen when we start a study. We put a lot of work into it and the results could be something that we did not anticipate at all. It could be exactly counter to our hypothesis, but either way, at the end, we have more information about what is real, about what is true, about how to move forward, maybe even to get to our anticipated hypothesis about what is necessary, about what the functions are, right? So, and and, and in jujitsu too, like all my brain is, like I said, ADHD brain, like everything, all these ideas converge, right? Um, In jujitsu, like if you never step out on the mat and we say that you can either fight to win or you can fight not to lose. If you fight not to lose, you're going to be reserved. You're not going to give a hundred percent. It's because you are so afraid of the outcome that you don't want happening, happening, right? If you fight to win, you want that outcome that you want really, really, really bad. And you're not about to let fear sabotage you because you know, it might not happen. Right. Um, And so I think the willingness to be curious about if I give my all, what will happen? And that takes a lot of courage because that also means that you have to be willing to accept that what I thought was my all might not be enough yet, might not be enough yet, but it's gonna give you the information you need to get there. And so it is the only way. 
the only way is to go through. The only way is to stay open and curious and admit that you you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the future is. It could be way better than you thought. And it could just be providing information for you to get there. Um, but either way, the only way is to try. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All, all, everything, all of it. I think it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing and an important component of encompassing all that we're talking about is like, as both of us are talking about this different dynamic, it's, we took failure off the table, right? Like failure, failure wasn't an option because like, I think of the way a lot of people view failure is like, I didn't make it right. So I give up. So I'm done. I messed up. I ruined it. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't really fail. You just, like you said, you gather information. No scientist runs an experiment and is like, we failed. It's like, oh, the hypothesis was incorrect. We're going to do this now, right? Like that's how that works. And so you step and you pause and you reevaluate. And so whatever that is in your journey, okay, I realized picking prepping my food in this manner, it was just way too time consuming and I wasn't consistent with it. Or I realized when I was stepping out of the, out on the mat, this was a move that wasn't serving me. When I stepped on stage, I should have twisted my body more like this nature or whatever it is. It's like failure wasn't an option. And if you take failure away, you just keep getting better. And whatever that goal is, again, it's just not yet. And there's something really important that I comes up a lot. It's the notion of like, it's just never enough. I don't know if I want to pursue this because I might get there and be like, it's not enough. And I want to like everyone for a pause for a second. Our human design is to thrive. Where we feel the feeling and the sensation that people are most desiring is fulfillment. And fulfillment, there's actually studies on this where they were studying the brain and different sensations that it gives. And essentially what the most, the best feeling, like the the feeling that, people had a positive association with was overcoming a challenge and accomplishing it. So it was that they, they named it just like fulfillment, right? That's the top of Maslow's psychological hierarchy of needs where you feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm thriving. I'm doing really well. And that is the beauty of goal setting. This is why someone might run a 5k and then a 10k and then a half marathon and then a full marathon. And then they want to qualify for the Boston marathon. It's not that it wasn't good enough. It's they've fallen in love with making themselves proud. It's they learned that through the adversity and the challenge, that's where the fulfillment comes from. And again, in when we can frame it in this perspective, like we're talking about with curiosity, with love, with values, with alignment, like it's the best gift you can ever give yourself. That's, that's true joy in life. And that's what that feels like. But when we stop and we're like, I just have to accept, like, I'm never going to get there. I'm just, I'm just going to be this weight for the rest of my life. I'm just going to be this for the rest of my life. And you stop at acceptance. There's this line in the triangle that there's a lot of like research behind and it's your growth needs from your deficit needs. And when you stop at acceptance, essentially that's your ceiling. There's a really strong correlation with depression, poor mental health, this feeling of almost apathy. Like well, when you just accept that you don't have control over your life, Right. I've read a ton of studies on this too. It's um, uh, learned helplessness type stuff, right? And it's it's funny too, because in competing in jujitsu, I'm a purple belt. So I'm in the middle of the belts, right? I uh, train with very, very high level people. I am around elite athletes all the time um, with high aspirations. And um, 
when I first started competing in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like being in that environment, I had like all these really high expectations for myself and high goals. And there was like a lot of comparing myself to other people. And it was really easy to get obsessed with the outcome. Um, and I started competing thinking that because I trained with all these people, I was going to be a badass and I was going to be unstoppable. And, you know, like I had this expectation set for myself. Let me tell you, I, I lost competitions in either the first or second round for a full year before I won anything. It was just lose, 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 lose. Had I stopped after that first year and accepted, like you're saying, had I accepted up, I'm just a loser. I just lose. There's no way I could ever win. I never would have ever won anything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It took me seven years to win my first national title, you know? And when I won that, I was in the worst shape of my life. It was two months after my pregnancy. I was the heaviest I had ever been. And I went in with no expectations for myself. I went in curious. Do I still have this? Can I still do this? There was a lot of doubt. I had no idea if I was going to be able to do it. And, you know, I, I just think that that meant so much more to me than a medal because I was able to let go, not even let go of all the doubts, but not care that they were there, right? I responded to the doubt different. I responded to my expectations for myself different. I didn't care that I had probably more losses on my record than wins, you know what I mean? And that was like such a changing point because that showed me what is possible if I kept going in from there, everything just kept getting better. Uh, Um, I love that. Coexisting with curiosity and doubt. Like yeah, missing with curiosity and doubt. If you can, and guess what? Anyone who signs, like most of the people like we're signing up for coaching, right? I want body composition change. If you can embody that, if you can pursue this change through the lens of I'm going to coexist on this fitness journey with curiosity and self-doubt and those, neither of those are going to be contingent of my results or stopping me. There is absolutely zero like there's there's no chance you don't get to your goal zero zero and I I just want to reiterate like a year of straight losses and then seven years before I won anything significant like I had won like smaller local tournaments and stuff yeah significant title like but those seven years were not wasted they were not failures I gathered so much information about myself and how to move forward. And it was never that I wasn't doing enough. A lot of it was, I just hadn't had the right experiences yet. I wasn't approaching it from the right angle. Like it's not always about needing to do more. Sometimes it's about Mm -hmm. differently or just keeping going. Right. I, this, this kind of, this uh, leads us to, you know, just like one of our core values and a beautiful capstone because clearly guys, let us know any other topics you want. I will have Rose back on and the two of us will continue on because I think that we can make this probably a five-hour episode. Yeah, no, we're already in <laughs> The thing about it is like she was saying, like it it took her, you know, a year of losses, seven years after that. Even for myself, it took me eight years to finally step on a national stage. I started competing in 2014. At, guys, these pictures of my first comp, like not cute, not cute. And it took me, eight years to even get to a national stage like that I mean and like you said it it was a lot it and just in so many other areas of my life as well and we're just ordinary people right like 
like there was like I always say like I was like I was heavy overweight I didn't know what I was doing you know I failed far more times than I won really and you know Rose is articulating similarly and so we're just ordinary people who really invested stopping it's just about not stopping you know no matter um no matter really how many times you fail, no matter how many times you tell yourself that you can't do it, no matter what that goal is, like there is going to be resistance. There is going to be doubt and you just have to stay curious and keep going. And it's not always going to be at full throttle too. I'd like to throw that in there too. Yes. 100%. Again, not always going to be like this grind hustle thing. It's really about like the volume, the intensity, the dial mover, the up and down, it can totally be in between. And so I guess that's a good little nugget there. I was just going to ask your advice on anyone who feels like they're ordinary too, who has these things that we're all sharing. Like these are, this, this is our brain. This is what we think. We doubt ourselves a lot till to this day. It is 2023. I won first place at my last show and my brain's still like, yeah, I don't really think you could do it. I don't think you do a bitch. Like probably not. So like normal, normal thoughts. And so if you have any words of wisdom or things that you want to leave our listeners with of advice on like, they're just ordinary people who maybe want to get to that place of like fulfillment and thriving. Like a lot of people too, I think they think that the change has to come from this place of, as we were talking about in the earlier in the episode, like this hate where they're like, ah, I'm not going to sign up for coaching. Cause like, I'm okay. Like, as I am, like, I'm, I mean, like, yeah, sure. I'd like to lose 10 pounds, but it's not that big of a deal. Like what encouragement advice would you have for them? Yeah, man, I think one the fact that you have doubt, like I think so much about this is reframing, is reframing um, perceivably negative things as something positive. The fact that you have doubt means you're curious. You know, it means you're wondering about it. It means you kind of want to know and you just don't think you can. So what if you just focus more on the the curious side than on the I can't side? The, the I can't side is the easy is the easy route, right? The I can't side, you don't have to change anything and change is hard. And you don't have to be wanting to achieve something like stepping on a national stage or winning a world title or you don't have, like any goal is worthy of being curious about, right? It could be, as much as what can I, can I be a mom and, and be strong? Is that possible? Like, can I actually be like a, a muscle mommy? Like, is that possible for me? Is, could that be real for me? No, probably not. Cause of all these lists of excuses and the, the list of excuses is what you currently have experience with. So you're going to default to wanting to like stay in that comfort zone. Cause that's what, you know, but the doubt means that you're curious. The doubt means you see the possibility. So lean into that. And if you never try to make the smallest change, if you never commit to it for any significant period of time, then you're never going to know. So I would just say, one, there's no goal too small to pursue. Two, the doubt means you're curious. The doubt just means that you're in a, a a comfortable way of operating. And maybe you don't even know the next step, right? But it's absolutely possible. And you don't need to know even where you will end up to make progress or to get somewhere new. And you don't have to hate where you are to be curious about a different way of living. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was so good, Rose. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom and hopping on the podcast. I hope everyone, I know everyone enjoyed the episode and listening to it. And 
um, you guys got to learn a little bit more about Coach Rose, her story, her mindset, and you know how she serves her clients in such an incredible, beautiful way. Um, if any of you are interested in coaching, there is going to be a link in the description box below. It's a free consult, much like Co uh, Rose took advantage of. I was, I was almost going to name you like Cody Rose, like I don't know, <laughs> what with that. but as much as Rose took with Cody, right? It was that initial phone call that gave her the information that she needed. And so the initial call, it, it's free, it's zero obligation. It's just to kind of talk about what your goals where you're at and how we can help support that. So thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in. If you guys want to have Rose back on, if you want us to talk about anything specific, every retreat, we like bunk together and we're up till like 4 a.m. And we're like, we should probably sleep before we have to get up in a couple hours. So I know anything that we would love to talk about and share with you guys. Um, I hope everyone has a great rest of their day and we will see you next time. Bye guys. <laughs>